Here is Purple with the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the internet. Today is our recruiting signing day spectacular. It's like Christmas for adults. We get to shake our presents. Guess what's packaged under the tree. See if this defensive end is going to become a all-conference uh, Braylon Trice-like sack monster or possible athlete can turn into John Ross or uh, something like that. To break it down for us, we've got our own recruiting expert, Aaron Sievercrop. Aaron, how are you doing today? Great. Yeah, busy day. Yeah, super busy. Thanks for staying up with us and, and getting ready to analyze all of it. Also, Coach P is here to give some analysis of what some of these players could become. Coach, how's it going? Fantastic. Glad to be here. All right, let's just jump right into it. Uh, let's start with the biggest surprise of signing day for the Huskies. It was not the most dramatic. We didn't have a Oregon or Georgia or Ohio State-like signing day where we're throwing around increasingly greater sums of uh, NIL money at the last minute. But there were a couple of uh, points of intrigue through the day. Uh, can you, Aaron, give us a kind of a, a summary of what you think the biggest surprise of signing day was for the Huskies? Yeah, I mean, um, I'll uh, for the average recruiting fan, I think the biggest surprise was Dominic Kirk's not signing today. Um, I think the average fan, you know, when they see a commit, especially with the early signing period, they expect a uh, a signing. Um, there's rumors that he had been offered by Ohio State last night, um, and so it sounds like he might delay his announcement. Personally, for me, I, I had kind of already figured that that could come. Um, the biggest surprise for me was that Aaron Butler did not make his decision. Four-star wide receiver, heavily considering your dub, um, did not make his decision today after um, receiving an offer for getting uh, verification that we have enough space. Um, you know, he is going to mull it over another night, it sounds like, and he's really torn between Arizona and UW. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I I would like to get him. He is does look just from the video like a, a very exciting player. Uh, the the one other one, and coach, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, the the person who signed kind of at the last minute was Paul Mickey Jr., uh, who's a a big safety, six foot two safety from Texas. Uh, he was committed to Duke. Mike Elko left Duke to coach Texas A and M. Uh, Mankey decided to reopen his commitment and ultimately picked UW over Duke. What are your thoughts on him as, as a safety coming in? Yeah, I think he's uh, definitely somebody that can play reasonably early. I, I don't really look at him as the type of uh, instant impact guy necessarily. I don't want to set the bar too high for him, but he's certainly a talented player. Notre Dame was in on him earlier in the process. He ended up... Uh, originally committing to Duke, as you mentioned, for Mike Elko. And then I suppose uh, once that staffing change was made and Elko went to A&M, um, he decided to open things back up. And And safety is a super critical position uh, in our defense. I think we all saw 
over the course of the back half of the season, especially in the Pac-12 championship game. You know, when we are fully healthy on the back end, we have guys like Asa Turner back in the lineup along with uh, Cameron Fabiklanen that it, it's it's a key playmaking position for us. It allows us to do a lot of different things on the back end. And I think uh, Menke will, will be a good piece of our future plans uh, in the secondary. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, even if it's it's not uh, Aaron Butler necessarily or some of the other names that were still lingering on signing day, it is a, an important piece and an area where we need a, a player developmentally long-term uh, and who, who seems to fit the defensive scheme. And, you know, it, always getting a surprise like that on signing day is a positive. But you, you mentioned that Lair's not going to play early. I, certainly, a lot of these players will will take a year or two to develop. One where that's a, kind of a certainty is the quarterback, Demaricus Davis. But he does look like an interesting long-term prospect. Uh, Aaron, could you tell us a little bit about uh, how he ended up at UW and, and what he profiles like as a quarterback down the road? Yeah, um, so great question. Um, today, I actually heard a new name that I have never called him before. Coach DeBoer called him Marmar um, instead of Demaricus uh, Davis. So I'll just call him Marmar because it's way easier to say. Um, so Marmar um, hadn't initially been on the Husky radar um, until camp season, probably in the spring when the Husky coaches saw him you know, throw the ball. Um, they had already had a commit in um, three-star in-state quarterback EJ Kamenong. But when EJ backed off of his commitment, the Husky coaching staff were obviously looking for um, another quarterback. Um, they saw Davis at a at a camp. Um, and initially, the thing that DeBoer said stood off the page for uh, them when they were just watching him throw was the athleticism, the length, the ease of uh, his arm strength, uh, being able to make all the throws and deliver accurate balls. Fast forward, you know, to the June um, visit weeks uh, and Marmar visited uh, Oregon State. It was thought that he was a heavy Oregon State lean. We ended up uh, getting the last uh, visit for him on the last weekend of June and were able to um, get his commitment. He was a three-star prospect, I think, 40th, 40 to 50th quarterback in the country at that time. Um, since then, he's obviously played a season, put up some good stats, um, and 247 has elevated him to be ranked as the 17th best quarterback um, in the country. Uh, what does that mean long term? I think he, like you mentioned, he's probably not going to play next year. Uh, God forbid major injuries. But I, I would say that uh, the thing that kind of sticks out the most and should get Husky fans excited is just the dual threat um, athleticism. I think you're seeing more and more the Husky staff is looking for taller, more mobile um, quarterbacks that not only can throw the ball, but um, get out of the pocket and make things um, you know happen outside the pocket. So um, I would anticipate being six foot four and about 190 pounds right now. He'll probably need a season and you know, in the strength and conditioning program. Um, and then he will vie for, you know, the starting job in 2025 um, and battle Austin Mack. Yeah, it is interesting looking at his his video. The couple things that you mentioned stood out to me as well, The just how thin he is, but also the, 
uh, desire to use his mobility to get into a position to throw the ball. And I think Mac had the same thing on his tape. So it, it seems like that is a priority for this coaching staff is to find quarterbacks who are mobile, but they use that mobility to be able to escape pressure and still get the ball downfield rather than one read, then tuck it and run. Uh, so it definitely seems like something that's um, part of the recruiting strategy to find players who fit that mold. Uh, the rest of the offensive skill positions uh, had some interesting yep. players. Decker to graph the tight end particularly stands out to me. Uh, then we've also got two wide receivers, Jason uh, Robinson, who's more of a, a undersized slot receiver and justice Williams, more of the traditional outside receiver size at six foot four uh, coach. We didn't sign any running backs uh, at least at this stage, what are your uh, thoughts on this group of skill position players, particularly the receivers and how they're going to fit developmentally with the group that we already have? Yeah, um, I'm, you know, like you mentioned, it's a relatively small offensive skill position um, recruiting class out of high school, but I'm a big fan of of the guys that we we have gotten. I, I think that um, so far uh, in these two uh, seasons uh, under DeBoer, we've had, you know, fairly solid tight end play um, from Jack Westover and, and Devin Culp and uh, some flashes here and there from some of the, the more of the depth guys like uh, Josh Cuevas and uh, Quentin Moore, particularly in the, the key play um, against Oregon in the Pac-12 championship. But I think Decker DeGraff, brings a, a, a different skill set than those guys instead of being kind of the reliable, you know, tough possession catch type guys for the third down conversions. I think DeGraff is, is fairly dynamic um, in the receiving game. He's a tad bit undersized right now. Um, I think 247 right now shows him listed at 6'4", 230. I can't remember uh, exactly what UW listed him as uh, for the commitment. But he's he he has posted some monster receiving games um, during his senior high school season uh, this year, and um, looks pretty sure-handed. Has some phenomenal ball tracking ability, some pretty solid hands, and the ability to get open as well as being pretty sure-handed um, in contested catch situations. So that's that's really exciting to see how we might kind of fold him into the picture. Um, especially as we're kind of going to be heading into a transition phase uh, on the roster, you know, potentially losing the top three, you know, NFL or at least all conference caliber receivers, you know, maybe we'll, we'll pivot back to a little bit more of a tight end focused passing game, or at least reemphasizing them like we have in the past. Um, as far as the two receivers, I really like Jason Robinson. He, he is shifty. He has a little bit of inside and outside um, versatility, even though he's he is on the smaller side at 5'11 ish, um, probably in like the 160 to 170 range right now. So he is he is really uh, you know on the smaller end of things, but he's so quick. He has uh, really good shiftiness in the open field, and he he has a pretty good route running uh, ability. He he just gets separation. Um, which is which is something that uh, can be a real big weapon in a, in the type of offense that I think we'll see uh, next year. And then Justice Williams is just you know sky's the limit for his potential. 
Um, he's still a little bit on the more raw end of the spectrum uh, as far as technique and, and route running, but, but you're seeing progress in that between his junior and senior seasons. Um, his, I think his head, high school head coach as a receiving uh, a wide receiver coaching background um, at the community college or not the community college, the Juco level and, and the lower levels and, and work with some pretty high end talent that eventually ended up in, in the NFL. So um, y- you see that kind of reflecting um, in his progression um, but I, I think that he'll have probably a career development track similar to Denzel Boston, real toolsy, real big, probably projects to the outside, um, kind of similar to Rome, um, kind of the more ISO uh, position in, in trips formations. Um, but he'll, he'll probably need uh, a year or two of seasoning uh, within the program to, to kind of really dial in his craft. Yeah, that's true. With our, our receivers, we had a very exciting group of receivers coming in last year and then they kind of went into the lab and we have uh the, the coaching staff and the strength conditioning staff working on them that haven't really seen nor heard of them in the last year but i'm sure that once they are ready to hit the field uh we're going to be talking about them a lot once again and that that may occur once again with this group of receivers so We've talked a good amount about the offense. Let's talk a little bit about the defense and the highest rated player in this class, Noah Carter, the edge rusher from Arizona. He steadily moved up in the rankings. Now he's a national talk, top 100 recruit. I, I don't feel like he's had kind of the hype around him that somebody with that recruiting ranking might get. Uh, maybe it's because he's, you know, from Arizona is not the sexiest uh, recruiting hotbed. Maybe it's because he's uh, not local and, and people aren't talking about him in the same way. I, I don't know, but I would love to hear uh, a little bit more about him. Aaron, if you have a, a little bit more info on Noah Carter and how he's kind of blown up to become such a, a top prospect nationwide. Yeah, uh, it is an interesting uh, case. Uh, what I will say is I think everyone who's seen them him in person this year um, in games has come away super impressed. So obviously 247 has a presence around the country. Um, they have Blair Angulo, who covers Arizona, Nevada, all that. Um, he's obviously seen him. Um, Noah Carter, when you just look at him play and you look at his measurables, uh, initially you just you think Lance Holtzclaw. He's a Lance Holtzclaw type player, right? He played wide receiver in high school, which is super rare for a guy who's playing edge. Um, he's returning punts for touchdowns, which again is super hmm. rare for guys who are playing the edge. Um and when you watch him play edge, um, you just see like a, a menacing speed that can just bend and get around um, an offensive tackle. Um, so, yeah, he's got untapped potential. I mean, he's the best athlete on the field every game that he has played in high school. Um, it won't be the case when he gets to college. But I will say with the 6'4", 225-foot frame, if he can get up to 240, um, he will be a wrecking ball uh, with good coaching, um, you know, refinement of his pass rush skills. Um, You know, we beat out a bunch of good schools for him. Um, Texas offered him. Louisville wanted him. um, At, you know, towards the end of the year as his ranking shot up, teams like Oregon um, obviously were poking it around and, I think really, like if you look at the re- rationale of why his ranking, you know, wasn't higher to begin with, um, he's been overshadowed by 
players in Arizona, like Elijah rushing, right. Um, six foot six, 260, 250 pound, um, you know, defensive end who's more prototypical. Uh, whereas, you know, no recovers more of the quote unquote speed or hybrid edge that you're seeing roll into the NFL now. Yeah, that is interesting. And uh, maybe a good fit for the Huskies because it seems like the strategy has been to play one edge who's more of a dedicated pass rusher and a bit lighter and then another who's a bigger body and can seal the edge against the run a little bit better. And it would seem uh, that that other edge is probably, at least in this recruiting class, Ratimana Bulabalavu, the uh, 260-pound edge rusher. Or it's also possible that he may bulk up a little bit more and play on the interior. He's another player whose rating has moved up uh, from three to four-star status. He wasn't even a particularly high three-star recruit because he came from a relatively unknown background. Uh, what can you tell us about him, Coach? He's He is a super interesting player, and it seems like somebody who's more projectable than average. Where do you think his long-term future lies, and what can he become for the Huskies? Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe um, when DeBoer and the staff, uh, you know, talked about him today, that they listed him as a defensive lineman rather than edge. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, they're projecting him as a uh, as a defensive tackle. So more than likely, uh, probably the five tech. But I mean, he's six foot four, two eighty five um, on the you know official signing page, so he could grow into. A 300 pounder pretty easily. Yeah, he yeah. also moved from his 24 7 listed weight was 260, and UW announced him at 284, 285. So that's a pretty significant change. Hopefully, good weight. You never know with somebody in high school. Yeah. So I, I had always kind of looked at him. It was, it was tough to tell based on his, his um, high school league, you know, the level of competition that he's playing against. But he did kind of seem from his junior tape that he kind of just had the the frame and the build to to bulk up and move inside. Um I, I could see him playing more over the guards, whether that's uh kind of the three tech, maybe a little bit of one tech here and there, you know, depending on on what his final playing weight will end up being in college. Um but it is it is intriguing that he has that kind of nice blend of speed and power. Um to me kind of reminiscent of kind of void Tunufi a little bit when he was in high school, um, a little bit of one-time UW, you know, recruiting target uh, was Ben Roberts also from the same high school where it's just bigger bodies that play really physical, still have a little bit of that speed, at least at the high school level, that burst, um, and just kind of kind of crafty in how they get after the quarterback uh, in the pass rush. Uh, I, th- I think he could be a, a pretty – interesting developmental guy um kind of projecting to the inside i don't think he is uh, a pure like levi on type of just shoot the gap wreak havoc in the backfield type of d tackle nor is he kind of the prototypical like two gap you know gonna plug the middle like a greg Gaines or something like that but i think he does have a nice blend of skills and athletic traits that um, has some, some pretty good upside there. Um, and then before we get too far off, I did want to also mention on, on Noah Carter, he was my favorite player to watch the, uh, his high school tape um, this past season, or at least for this recruiting class. 
He is an absolute stud. Easily, like like Aaron said, easily the best athlete on the field. Anytime uh, he was playing in high school, I think he had like 10, 10 touchdowns, like eight receiving, two punt return touchdowns this year at receiver um, and, and returner. Um, I think he probably isn't uh, he's certainly better than I think uh, Lance Holtzclaw was coming out of coming out of high school. He has the frame to add weight. He has all the athleticism in the world, and he reminded me a lot of um, one-time UW target uh, Brew McCoy. Um, mm. Obviously, a little bit different uh, caliber of athlete. I think McCoy was like a consensus top ten recruit in the country, but similar in receiver and edge player in high school. Huge athleticism, tremendous speed and flexibility off the edge. Um, and it's pretty much impossible to, to stop somebody like that once once they kind of get up into that 240-ish range um, with some strength behind it, it. It's so hard to block that. So I, I'm really excited about him as well. Yeah. That's, hey, uh, uh, oh. Yeah, go ahead, Andrew, sorry. It's, it's always a nice thing to have. Uh, I, we, we've kind of missed that since uh, ZTF's injuries, and he hasn't had quite the same level of explosion just beating uh, tackles over and over, but having that is such a disruptive force against passing game. Uh, Aaron, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, so uh, Radamana, uh, Bula, Balavu. Um, so a couple things. Um, so I did an interview with him um, earlier in the year. So uh, a couple interesting things that uh, hopefully will pique people's interest. Um, so he played at the Army and Navy Academy uh, right outside San Diego, which restarted their football uh, program um, in his junior year. So the reason why he flew under recruiting radars is because he basically was playing at a school that had no one playing there. Um, for all intents and purposes, it was like a new high school football team. Um, last year, he had 22 sacks uh, playing defensive end. This year, he had 19 and a half sacks. So you're, you're talking about, um, you know, it's probably not the level of competition that, say, a Noah Carter's playing, but it's really hard to get 22 sacks in a season. doesn't matter the level of competition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just wrapping up the quarterback and bringing him down is not easy to do that many times. Uh, so that that's very cool. Um, we one one thing we haven't really got to yet is the secondary. We talked a little bit about Mankey earlier. There's two other safeties, uh, at least as they're currently designated. Could always be fluid. Uh, Joshua Lair, also from Texas. Peyton Waters, uh, very good athlete. There's a cornerback, Elias Johnson, out of uh, Oregon tall, super skinny. Uh, Aaron, any uh, highlights from this group that we should be keeping an eye on uh, in the secondary? Yeah, so um, I think fans will immediately latch and love a player like Joshua Lair. Um, he's a physical uh, safety who, if nothing else, will just be a special teams demon. Um, he is not afraid to hit people, and he is like a missile out there. Um so that's just my like initial take on Joshua Lair. The defense kind of needs more of that, to be honest, uh, more of a physical presence. Um, and as far as Peyton Waters, um, similar to Noah Carter, he is an elite athlete. He plays both sides of the ball. Um, I think he had close to a thousand yards receiving um, for his high school, Birmingham. Um, he projects more as um, – you know, the safety positions are interchangeable for UW, but if I was to describe his playing style, he's more of a 
a free safety. Um, in my opinion, um, he could potentially play a Husky, but, um, he's got very good speed, uh, very good ball skills. Um, you know, I guess a comp that I would throw out would be, they play different positions, but just because of his athleticism would be a bigger Byron Murphy. Um, Mm. you know, someone who is basically when you throw him on the field, he's going to be a good player. Obviously they're playing different positions, but yeah. One of my favorite Huskies in recent memory to watch Byron Murphy. I, I think I probably name check him about every third week on this podcast. So uh, that's that's catnip for me. Um, just a couple things before we move off of the high school recru- recruiting. Who do you think both of you, I, Coach, you go first and then Aaron jump in, is most likely to play uh, next year? Who's the most likely to actually see the field in the first first year? Ooh, that's a that's a good one. I I think that if we're talking like uh, primarily like offense or defense, kind of excluding some special teams role players, yeah, there. Fair. Yeah. I I I think Noah Carter has a pretty good shot as a rotational guy. Um, it'll be interesting to see once he gets on campus, once he gets through kind of uh, summer conditioning and maybe into fall camp to see where his weight is. I think he's still on the light side to really get into um, a package like what Jacob Lane did this past year as a true freshman. Lane showed up at about, I want to say, 6'5", 250. So um, kind of already had that baseline size there um, to get going and kind of work his way into the rotation as the season progressed. But with talent like Carter has and his ability, because he's more of a stand-up edge rusher, um, not really the conventional hand in the dirt type of D end um, type of edge player. Uh, I I do think that our pressure packages that use a lot of stunts and looping around into different gaps all across the defensive front. He could be an absolute demon on something like that, um, kind of going from the edge or maybe even off ball and just, you know flying right up the middle of the the offensive line. That could be a real big weapon right there. Um, and he just has the raw talent to do it. But um, I could also see, depending on how the the competition and who comes back next year in the secondary, a guy like Peyton Waters might be fighting for maybe a backup role or something like that. It it appears that we've been kind of open to letting younger, younger players uh, kind of break into the rotation. Now, granted, we did have great depth over the past uh, two years at DB at times, just injury luck and, and things of that nature. So I think there might be an opportunity for, for waters maybe, but um, for me, it might be Noah Carter. Yeah. Interesting. Anybody else to add to that, Aaron? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure everyone's aware of uh, what I think about the defensive uh, tackle uh, rotation after Tuli. Uh, I make a, I make a case to point that out quite a bit. Um to be honest, if I had to pick two guys who I think are pretty likely to be in the rotation and get a shot, I would say Radamano um, and Omar Khan. We haven't talked about Khan, but um, both defensive tackles. I think it's it's very unusual for defensive tackles to come in and play right away. But I would just say that with the, the bodies that we do have um, and the talent level of the defensive room, or the defensive tackle room, I think both guys um, could find themselves 
um, jumping some guys that are already in the room. I'm glad that you mentioned Omar Khan because he's he's a sneaky one that I kind of like as well in this class. He's I think the composite has him as our lowest ranked high school commit, but he does have some of the the key things that I think would be really nice in a in a developmental D tackle. Um, he's a pretty good high school wrestler, which um, I have a little bit of a wrestling background in high school and. The best football players that I've been around, either as a player or as a coach, oftentimes they played, they, they wrestled, and the level of conditioning and just overall strength, core strength, natural strength, whatever you want to call it, they they typically punch above their weight. So even though I think Khan's right now listed like the two seventies, I think you know it might not be a dramatic leap to say he might be in the two eighties or something like that um, come fall. And he, he, he could be a surprise uh, guy to break into the rotation. Yeah, I, I also had a wrestling background as a kid. I, I dressed up as Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man and I could do the <laughs> sharpshooter and figure four, but it never really translated for me. Um, so let's uh, put a pause on the Huskies high school recruiting class. We'll come back. We'll talk a little bit about the transfer portal, about uh, the, some of the other recruiting storylines that we've seen and what, what's going to come next. So stick around and we'll be right back. Welcome back and thanks for sticking with us. We're going to talk more about recruiting. Before we get into the transfer portal, I want to talk a little bit about storylines outside of UW to keep an eye on in recruiting. Uh, Aaron, are there any other uh, recruiting, like big winners or losers in the recruiting world uh, that we should be keeping an eye on? Uh, that happened on signing day outside of uh, the UW stratosphere? Well, I uh, I am not going to talk about the University of Oregon um, for <laughs> as much as we probably should. I am going to resist the urge. Um, I would say that the two biggest um, surprises to me were um, – actually, one of them happened yesterday was um, Dylan uh, Rayoli. Um, Rayola. Rayola uh, decommitting from um, Georgia and going to Nebraska. And then the flip to that was um, Georgia freeing up NIL money and being able to snag the number one safety in um, high school away from Florida State. So um, I guess the point to the story that I'm trying to make or the thing that um, just caught my eye is when, when a player decides to switch from school to school um, that can free up NIL money that a school has um, or a donor base, I should say, not the school, um, you know, has set aside uh, for a certain recruiting class and that can impact things substantially. Yeah, it is interesting I, I, how that played out and just also interesting to see the rich get richer, <laughs> Georgia just loading up. But Rayola is a good one. I, I, Matt Rule has been a successful coach before and it seemed like he made very quick progress with the defense at Nebraska. It seemed like every team in the big 10 made very quick progress with the defense, but if, you know, Rayola can buck the trend of these big 10 quarterbacks who are highly recruited and then turn into guys who throw the ball, you know, like 12 for 27 for 115 yards per game. Uh, that, that will be very interesting for them. Uh, Coach, anything that, that you were keeping an eye on? And if, you know, we don't have a moratorium on uh, mentioning Oregon, we don't have to necessarily say nice things about them, but they did put together quite a terrifying recruiting class. Yeah, I mean, 
it is what it is. They, they put together a pretty nice high school recruiting class. Um, I don't want to bait Aaron into <laughs> going down the rabbit hole on, on, on them. Um, I think the, uh, the only other thing that kind of surprised me a little bit was seemingly the lack of overall hype regarding USC and their recruiting right now. Um, offhand, I don't really recall uh, where their class ended up. I, I've honestly been pretty off the radar today and, and kind of unplugged from kind of the overall signing day news. But, you know, you with all the hype that they had last year with Lincoln Riley and, and the year before that and, and whatnot, it, it was uh, kind of surprising, especially with, with the shift over to the Big Ten coming up and, and all of that. It, it just – a little peculiar. Yeah, it looks like they finished 20th, but some of this, they have 19 players signed. So a little bit like UW, they, the size of the class is depressing the ranking. And if you went by their um, average recruit ranking, they probably rate a little bit higher. Uh, and they do have 11 four-star recruits. Uh, maybe the a little bit of the uh, lack of hype is that their number one recruit is a, is a guard, which is not the most exciting thing to talk about, but, and they don't have that, that signature quarterback like last year they had Malachi Nelson and now he's on his way out. We'll see if anything changes there, but uh, yeah, it is interesting. We haven't heard a ton about USC, Um, but let's talk a little bit about speaking of USC, the transfer portal, they're very uh, active year in and year out in that uh, world. UW has also been active at the transfer portal early on, at least relative to some of the other teams that are still playing meaningful games. The most meaningful transfer has been Will Rogers, the Mississippi State quarterback. He's played a lot, over 12,000 passing yards for his career. He'll almost certainly slide in as the starting quarterback next year. Very different profile from Michael Penix, whereas Penix got it done with, you know, big arm, could kind of throw it wherever he needed to, and then use his, his uh, computer brain to know which route is going to have the highest probability of a completion. Rogers also very analytical, but does it with a lot more touch, uh, a lot, a lot less um, pure arm strength. Um, I'd be interested, Coach, in your opinion, if you think that can work. Is that is that something that is um, workable within the Grub and DeBoer system? Oh yeah. Um, when, when I saw um, kind of the early rumors um, that we were one of the favorites to get Will Rogers, I I had absolutely no issue with that. Even though that there were other maybe toolsier, higher upside quarterbacks that were kind of announcing that they were entering the portal and things like that, and some some guys like Cam Ward, for example, that. There was some early chatter that we might be interested in somebody um, along that type of uh, profile. Um, I have absolutely no issues with Will Rogers. He's the second all-time career passer in the SEC, I believe. With you know, like you said, twelve thousand yards passing, and um, and he's a long-term starter over there at Mississippi State. He had a couple of really, really good years um, working Mike Leach's uh, air raid offense, and and although that. I won't say that we're an air raid team. I think that there's a lot of things um, as far as what we're asking the quarterbacks to do as far as operating the offense, orchestrating the offense on the field that 
Uh, I know Mike Leach had a similar approach to the position where if Will Rogers, um, with all of his experience and experience under Leach, I think um, it should be a relatively seamless transition um, in a slightly different offense um, that we, we can, you know, let him make all the checks of the line, get us out of bad plays and operate all of the various options within the, the, the play design and, and making the right reads, um, even though he doesn't have the high-end arm strength that, that Penix, uh, Penix has. And we've also seen um, De, uh, DeBoer and Grubb run a very successful offense with somebody with uh, a more similar skill set to Rodgers than to Penix, right? They had, they had tremendous success at Fresno with a guy like Jake Hanner who we're all familiar with at UW, who he wasn't a super highly touted recruit, didn't have all the big arm talent of others, but he knew what to do within the offense and and made the right reads. And and at a certain point, the scheme will help elevate um, whatever skill set as long as the quarterback really has a mastery of, of what the offense is asking him to do. You mentioned that Will Rogers is second all-time in uh, SEC career passing yards. I'll give either of you uh, a, a, a lollipop if you can name anybody else in the top five right now. It's, I just looked it up. L- listeners, feel free to play along at home. Aaron Murray. That's exactly right. Number one. That's a um, great guess. Matty Mark. You, you want me to keep guessing? <laughs> Throw a couple out there. There's Drew one Lock. that's very... Very uh, uh, dear to the hearts. I guess he didn't. Yeah, dear to the hearts of Seahawk fans right now. True luck. True luck is third all time, followed by David Green at, at Georgia and Chris Leak, who eventually lost his job to Tim Tebow, or at least part of his job. Anyway, moving on. Uh, very exciting to think about uh, Rogers slotting in. I think Coach nailed it. The, it's a different approach, but this can be tailored to fit somebody with his profile very well, and I think he'll he'll be very successful. A couple other positions of need were offensive tackle and defensive tackle. There are players uh, that we've signed at both of those positions already. Uh, it's Tell me, Aaron, if you think we're set at offensive and defensive tackle, what you think of what we've already brought in, or if you think this is remaining a position of need for the Huskies as we continue to go through the transfer portal season. Yeah, uh, good question. I think um, if... So the offensive line question solely depends on if Roger Rosengarten returns, which I think he will, and mm. move over to left tackle. Um, I think Drew, as a party, uh, when you watch him play, he is a prototypical right tackle that is just going to uh, run grade um, guys. I mean, he could pass pro, but he is a physical uh, offensive lineman. Um, I think we're set at offensive lineman if uh, if. Roger Rosengarten comes back because we're returning all three interior, um, you know, offensive linemen plus uh, Roger. We're adding a tackle who started at San Diego state plus Jalen Clem, um, who I know the Husky staff likes and defensive tackle. I think the answer is a lot different. Um, I think we could see some attrition there. And obviously um, everyone saw it clear as day, the drop off between Thule um, Latuli Gasanoa and the next best player on the defensive tackle was a pretty wide uh, margin. We did add uh, Sebastian Valdez. Um, 
Well, he looks like a good player. It's really hard to judge how good a player is going to be when they play at a, a level of a Montana state, um, you know, an FCS level uh, for their entire career. Um, I do think um, at the end of the day, we will add another defensive tackle in the portal. Yeah, I, I, I'm reasonably optimistic about uh, Valdez. I, I, that, that Montana State program is very good, but I, you know, we've been after a lot of defensive tackles and, and haven't been able to close recruiting on a lot of them. And I think you're right to highlight that as an area where we probably need to continue focusing. Um, BJ Green is another defensive lineman, kind of came out of nowhere uh, as a recruit for UW. He was a walk-on at Arizona State and then just kind of did nothing but put pressure on the quarterback. He's a bigger edge or a smaller defensive tackle. Eric, do you think he could kind of fill in the Braylon Trice role of being the bigger um, edge rusher who gets pressure on, on the quarterback, but also um, can seal the run the, against the run as well? Um, so short answer, yes. As far as getting pressure on the quarterback, his his pressure numbers are almost well, they're very, very close to Braylon Trice. Um, as far as like just chaos that Braylon Trice um, causes, they're a little bit different on players in the fact that Braylon's, you know, 6'3", 6'4", 280. Um, you know, uh, the uh, BJ's, uh, what is he? I think he's 6'1", 285, 6'. He's probably actually yeah. six foot and a half. Um, yeah, anytime exactly. someone's six one, I always think that they're probably six, uh, foot and a half. Um, he will be a disruptive <laughs> force. Yeah. yeah. He, he will be a disruptive force, um, along the edge. Um, I just, I, I just caution everyone to just say, uh, he won't, he won't be a Braylon. He won't be Braylon Trice 2.0. He'll be his own version and he will be disruptive. Yeah. And that, is kind of what the Huskies need just proven pass rush uh, with so much leaving after this year, uh, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's good that we've had Braylon Trice and ZTF over the last several years, but uh, filling those shoes will be difficult. So having somebody with a little bit of uh, accomplishments under his belt is super useful. Um, what, what are we watching for next? Like what positions are the Huskies still targeting? Are there any specific players that you have your eye on in the transfer portal who you think are, are, are keys to um, get their recruit, get their commitment, or if we don't get them, it's going to be very noticeable on the field. As far as uh, high schoolers, I, I mentioned it earlier, Aaron Butler's a name to keep um, an eye on. He will be making a decision here in the next 48 hours. Um, you know, he has to sign by Friday or he will just have to enroll at a school. Um have a feeling it will be us, but um, that is a player to keep track of. Um, you know, the current defensive lineman uh, that's committed, Dominic Kirks, is another name to uh, pay attention to outside of those two. For now, I think we're done with high school recruiting. Um, that could change, you know, obviously if there's more coaching changes and guys come up. Um, as far as the portal, I don't necessarily have any specific names there was a tight end that we just offered out of fresno state that is a name to keep um an eye on um i'm blanking on his name um but a position that i would well two positions i probably would keep track of is the tight end position because i think we will add another tight end and the defensive uh tackle room i think we'll try to get another season experience defensive tackle yeah it definitely seems like we're uh, hot after tight ends. Jack Velling was one of them. Um, 
phase or so I have the name of the the Holden was Holden phase like the, the the Notre Dame tight end and just haven't been able to reel anyone in yet so uh, hopefully we can get that nailed down and we won't have to rely too heavily on Decker DeGraff as a true freshman. Uh, so let's wrap it up. Thanks you. Thanks both for uh, all your insight on uh, recruiting and on the transfer portal and everything. Is there anything that you've been able to pay attention to outside of transfer portal in the last week? And either of you have any recommendations or plugs for non-football entertainment uh, that people can consume as they travel for the holidays or are trying to, um, you know, pass the time with their family without talking too much about politics and things like that. Uh, I, I will just speak up. Uh, hopefully there's some fathers that are uh, listening to this podcast with uh, young kids, um, much like myself. Um, me and my family thoroughly enjoyed the uh, new Amazon show called, uh, I think it's called Candy Cane Lane with Eddie Murphy. Um, so I would highly recommend anyone with kids um, that are, seven years old, um, five to plus, uh, check that out. Um, also if anyone has checked out the new Willy Wonka movie, uh, I would love to hear how that, uh, was cause I am very interested in that movie. Yeah. My wife watched that candy cane lane also and said it was really good. I hadn't, I haven't seen it yet. And I think my daughter might be a little in the young age for that. She's, uh, still a little, um, stuck in, uh, cartoons and fantasy land, but that's okay. Um, I just finished a book, uh, an old book, World War II spy novel called Eye of the Needle by an author named Ken Follett. Kind of a classic. A lot of people have probably already, already heard of it or read it. Uh, but if you're into espionage type books, it's a good something you could breeze through on an airplane um, set in uh, all across Great Britain during uh, the just the lead up to D-Day and a Nazi spy trying to escape with um, secrets about the D-Day landing and the uh, British Secret Service trying to slow him down. Very cool. Very, it's a good page turner. Coach, anything you want to add before we sign off? Completely different the train of thought than you guys. Um, <laughs> I, did, I, I, I do have a recommendation that I thought about. Um, it's, it's not a book or TV show or movie or something like that. But uh, for those of uh, you listeners that are in the Snohomish County area. Um, there is a great spot uh, that I just tried um, uh, recently called Zoe's Fried Chicken Sandwiches. It's a tiny hole in the wall up in Everett. And it is a one-woman show. Zoe herself is taking orders and making your sandwiches. And it is phenomenal. <laughs> you should definitely try and support small businesses um, like hers. It is one of the best places that I've tried uh up there in Snohomish County um, recently. So if you're in the area, go check it out. I'm not in the area, but I would love a fried chicken sandwich. So uh, anybody feels like shipping one of those, um, you know, 12,000 miles away, I'm, I'm always up for it. So thanks for listening, everybody. Join us next week when Hall of Famer Cody Pickett may show up to help us profile the uh, lead into the bowl game, the college football playoffs. We will be back to give you a more in-depth preview there. In the meantime, thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs.